0: well good morning everybody happy sunday hope you guys enjoyed your extra hour of sleep i sure did hope you guys had a great halloween weekend and welcome everyone who's joining us live stream hello so my name is Riker. i'm one of the leaders here at the vineyard and so quick story a few weeks ago my brother-in-law he invited me to participate in a Brazilian jiu-jitsu class, all right? Jiu-jitsu class with him. And so I've never taken any kind of martial arts or self-defense or anything like that in my whole life. Anybody ever do martial arts before? A couple people? Everybody take note, watch out for them. Don't make them mad. They're dangerous. So I had a lot of emotion, mixed emotions going into taking this uh, jiu-jitsu class. A little bit of excitement, a little bit of fear, uh, anticipation, hesitation. Uh, I was afraid of, of getting hurt, potentially missing work, and maybe not being able to take care of Eden And But despite my initial fear, I decided to, to, to try it out. Why not? I heard it's a really good workout. You sweat a lot. Uh, but the biggest reason why I wanted to try out this jiu class was because I wanted to impress my wife. <laughs> I wanted to prove to her that I can fight, that I can protect us, I can defend us, and I'm manly, right? And plus, on my job, I'm stuck in a cubicle most of the day, and so this is my, my opportunity to unleash my inner Bruce Lee. So, uh, so the first 30 minutes, uh, we learned some grappling techniques, and we were throwing people on the ground, and we were doing like, these holds and stuff. It was really cool. But then the next 30 minutes, we actually uh, got to spar. So we sparred in four-minute rounds, and my first person I sparred against with, guess who it was? No, it was the guy with the black belt. I had to go up against the black uh, belt guy. And so I didn't even know what I was supposed to do. It was super awkward. I had no idea at all what I was doing. And then as we were sparring, he was... He was, like, coaching me on how to, how to fight and stuff. So he'd be like, okay, you got to uh, break my grip here. You got to move your elbow this way. Move your hips and stuff. It was still really weird for me. And so, and then in the last 20 seconds of our round, like, he went full-on black belt dude on me. <laughs> and so, like, I felt my life flash before my eyes. And any sense of control that I had over the match or the round, like, it immediately disappeared. And so... He he did this thing where he like he wiggled, he just wiggled around me, and then he put me in this weird chokehold, and I couldn't move. Like I was literally stuck there, and I just remember I couldn't I couldn't move. I had a hard time breathing, and, and like it was it was super. It's kind of crazy. And so as he had my neck in his in this little chokehold, I just remember my neck popping. Like it was like it was like legit. Like. Kung-Fu chiropractic adjustment action going on here. And so I had no control over my body. I wanted to break free, but I physically couldn't. And so after a few seconds of being in the chokehold, I blacked out. I did. I blacked out for a couple seconds. And I remember when he finally let go of me, like, I couldn't could hardly see anything. I couldn't move. Like, I had this really weird out-of-body experience. And like I wanted to get up and walk, I just couldn't. And so like it was a neat opportunity to get my butt kicked by a black belt guy, but I'm gonna stick with, with less dangerous hobbies. And But I did redeem myself. Uh, my wife still thinks I'm a manly man, <laughs> that I'm strong, <laughs> right? And another story, oh, and that's me. I forgot to share that. <laughs> me and my brother-in-law? No, I'm just kidding. No. That's not my... I just did a little Photoshop thing. So, yep. Another story here. I'm terrible at directions. Anybody else directionally challenged? Like, if someone tells you or if someone tells me, hey, go northwest and, or east, whatever, I have no idea what you guys are saying. Anybody else like that? Cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I praise God for Apple and Google Maps. Like, without... Technology like that, I would be completely lost. And so, um, so any anywhere that I'm driving and it's new for me, I have to have like my phone with me, I have have the maps out, and I have to have step by step turns. Otherwise, I feel like this instant like panic. Anybody like that? Yeah. Like I think to myself when I'm, when I don't have the map in front of me. Oh crap! Like, what if I get lost? Man, I don't want to waste gas. I don't, I don't want to waste gas. I don't want to waste time. And so what I do is like I hold the steering wheel with one hand, and I hold my phone in the other, and I'm like driving. But my wife hates when I do this because it's probably not the safest way to drive, right? And so when I do that, she takes the phone away from me, and she becomes the map keeper, the navigator. Any sense of control I have, is immediately gone. And it, it makes me really panic inside. So not having the directions in front of me and not seeing the step-by-steps, it terrifies me. And I have to trust her that she'll give me the right directions. And so, you may not have been at the mercy of a black belt or getting your life flashing before your eyes, or maybe you're not direction challenged like me, but we live in a time where many of us feel like we don't have control. Like Maybe you're facing a situation where you feel like you have no control, Maybe that's like unemployment. Maybe it's like financial problems. Maybe it's a chronic illness or uh, maybe political tensions and relationship problems, anxiety and depression, whatever it is. What might God be wanting to reveal to us at this time? And so I think that this might be an opportunity for us to relinquish control and to trust God. All right, so let's pray. Father, we just invite your your Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning. Help us to understand that you are God and that you are in control. God, that you are always good, that you're always with us, that you're always working for our good and for your glory, that you are a creator, that you're infinite and all-powerful, yet we are your creatures, finite and limited. And bless this time as we explore your word, And may it challenge and change us. Amen. So, the title of the sermon today is Sabbath, Exchanging Control for Trust. And so, this morning I'm going to be reading from Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Genesis 2, 1 through 4. And so, just a little bit of context. The author of Genesis is giving us an account of creation. And God has been busy working for the past six days. Like God spoke and the universe was created. He separated light from darkness, earth and sky, land and sea. He created plants. He created the sun and the moon and the stars. And God created aquatic life and land animals. And he created man and woman. He made them in his own image. And then the last verse in chapter one, it says, then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. And so God looked at all his work, and he delighted in it, and he called it very good. So uh, Genesis 2, one through four says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, and so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. And this is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. Amen. You guys catch that? God rested. Well, I have a very demanding job or I don't have time for this. Well, God rested. I'm more of an extrovert I like to stay busy and keep myself preoccupied. I don't like slowing down. God rested. I have four kids at, four young kids at my home and Sabbath right now seems very unrealistic and not doable right now, so maybe later. God rested. Well, I'm a full-time college student. I work two jobs. I have final papers to write, so Sabbath isn't doable right now, but God rested. God rested. So the Hebrew word for Sabbath is Shabbat. Can we all say that together? Shabbat? Shabbat. So it literally means to stop. And so it has two uh, dual meanings. It means uh, stopping and delighting. And so with Sabbath, we stop and we find joy in God and in our lives and the world. And the Sabbath is an entire day set aside to follow God's example to stop and delight. And so... I believe that God is inviting us to relinquish control and to trust him. And the rhythm of Sabbath is actually woven together in the DNA of creation. And when we resist this rhythm, we go against the grain of the universe. There's a philosopher out there named H.H. Farmer, and he writes, if you go against the grain of the universe, you're going to get splinters. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this uh, this cliche, it says, well, the devil never takes a day off. Anybody hear that? The devil never takes a day off. Well, last time I checked, the devil loses, and plus he's the devil. And so the last time people had tried to abandon the seven-day week, it was back in the, during the French Revolution, a Revolution in France, and they actually switched uh, to a, a 10-day work week and for the results of hopefully boosting productivity. And you guys know what the results were? It was a complete disaster. The economy collapsed. Um, suicide rates soared and productivity actually plummeted. And so studies show that once you work past a certain amount of hours in a week, there's no difference in your productivity, it actually decreases. And so you, you guys know what that number is? It's about 50 hours a week, which is approximately a six-day work week. And so this rhythm of six days of work and one day of rest Is the way God designed our souls to, um, souls in our society to flourish and to thrive. And and Jesus says um, in Mark 2, 27, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So in context here, Jesus is rebuking the the legalistic, uh, guilt-heavy religious uh, culture and the people who totally miss God's heart for the Sabbath. You see, first century Jews needed to hear the second half of that command. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And So fast forward to the 21st century, um, we aren't very legalistic about Sabbath. Maybe we don't even practice it at all. Like maybe we would take a day off. Um, Maybe we would go to church, Sunday worship. Maybe if it fits into my schedule or, or when it's convenient, right? So, anybody grow up in church? I grew up in church, um, but Sabbath wasn't really uh, an intentional component of being a disciple of Jesus. And so, usually our Sundays consisted of we would go to church, then we'd go to lunch afterwards, and then my mom would usually take her afternoon nap, Sunday afternoon nap. Any Sunday afternoon nap takers in here? Oh, Terry, yeah, yeah, she's going like that. <laughs> so um, I didn't consider Sabbath super important in my relationship with Jesus. I just thought it was just another day off, a time to just relax, and, and I didn't know what it meant or how to Sabbath, and that it means to stop and to delight and to rest in God for an entire day. And I started taking Sabbath a little bit more seriously in college, and, but it was super, super, super hard for me. Um, to just rest and to not do homework, not to write papers. And I struggled to trust God with my assignments and with all the deadlines and all that stuff. And I was forced to relinquish control and to visibly demonstrate my reliance on God's grace and goodness rather than in my own efforts and in my own strength. And this illustrates what this writer, his name is A.J. Swoboda, he writes, uh, The Sabbath has largely been forgotten by the church, which has uncritically mimicked the rhythms of the industrial and success-obsessed West. And the result, our road-weary, exhausted churches have largely failed to integrate Sabbath into their lives as vital elements of Christian discipleship. It is not as though we do not love God. We love God deeply. We just don't know how to sit with God anymore. We just do not know how to sit with God anymore. We have become perhaps the most emotionally exhausted, psychologically overworked, spiritually malnourished people in history. Wow, that's heavy stuff right there. And So the Sabbath is not the same thing as a day off. It's a day set apart, dedicated, made holy unto the Lord. It's a day for worship, And not just singing songs at church and stuff, which is great, but it's a whole life orientation toward God. A whole life orientation toward God. And so practicing Sabbath, it's spiritual exercise. It's a discipline. And Sabbath, it's about trusting God and His ways and letting go of the need for control over your life. And so Another author, his name is James Bryan Smith, he writes, Sabbath rest is thus a call to Sabbath trust, a call to visibly demonstrate in our daily living that we know ourselves to be upheld and maintained by the grace of God rather than the strength and craftiness of our own hands. To enjoy the Sabbath day, we must give up our desire for total control and we must learn to live by the generosity of manna falling all around us so so rest and trust and surrendering control the core elements of Sabbath Sabbath forces us to um, take out the role of God we're, we're no longer God over our, over our own lives and when we allow God to take care of us we relax and we enjoy life and we rest in God and so uh, for many people like getting started with Sabbath, and um, it can be kind of confusing, kind of overwhelming, not really sure, like, how do I even do all this? It's like, there's a lot of questions surrounding Sabbath. Like, uh, is is there a correct day to Sabbath? Is it Sunday? Is it Saturday, Wednesday, Tuesday? Does it have to be a full 24 hours day? What if I only have like an afternoon or an evening or even just a couple hours? What activities should I do or not do when I'm Sabbathing? Should I not do yard work or go to the gym or exercise or or whatever? Uh, Can I have a floating Sabbath? So can I just fit it in wherever I can during the week, whatever works best for me? Um, Should I just treat Sabbath like another day off? And so there's a lot of differing opinions out there, a lot of books, a lot of uh, teachings about Sabbath. But I just want to kind of share some just general principles that I found have been helpful in my journey, so getting started with Sabbath. Number one, start where you're at, not where you should be. So if you guys only have like an hour or 30 minutes or two hours or an afternoon or just an evening, start there, that's great. Start there, it's totally fine. Like it's no no guilt, no legalism, anything like that. Start where you're at and eventually try to add maybe an hour there and eventually work your way up to a full 24 hour day. Second idea, principle, is it rest or is it worship? So, when you're considering if I should do a certain activity, um, run it through the grid. Is it rest or is it worship? And so, does a particular activity trigger your insatiable appetite for activism and productivity in order to feel worthwhile or indispensable? And so, like for some people, like yard work is super relaxing I hate yard work, it's the worst thing ever. I grew up doing yard work forever and ever, it's terrible. Anybody like yard work in here? A couple people? Okay. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe you love yard work, like these few people over here, and they find it soothing. Great, do, do yard work, whatever it is. Or maybe it's laundry, I love doing laundry. I'm weird. <laughs> I like the smell of clean clothes. Anybody else like that? No, just me? Oh, okay, cool, okay, cool. So find things that replenish your soul and that you enjoy doing. And so, <laughs> okay, whatever works for you. <laughs> so, and some theologians and, and writers suggest we don't buy or sell on the Sabbath. Like, don't go to Target and buy stuff. I love Target. So they argue that if we're out buying and selling in the world of commerce, it means someone has to work and we are contributing to it. And it also feeds our consumerism and makes us unable to enjoy God's gifts around us. And there are other kinds of work besides, like, physical work. There's, like, mental and emotional hard work. And so the Sabbath, it's an invitation to rest emotionally and mentally from things that cause worry and stress, whether that be, like, taxes or, or budgeting or... Um, writing a grocery list, I hate doing grocery lists, Ugh. or major life decisions, they would suggest maybe save that for another day. And so, and also ask yourself, what are activities that, that replenish my soul and feed, feed my spirit? Whether that be like taking naps, or going to a coffee shop, or going to a bakery, or taking walks outside, taking a bath, enjoying your favorite foods. And so, And some writers actually distinguish between activities that merely stimulate you or serve as fillers and those that don't really replenish your soul. And they would argue that that Netflix or social media or or YouTube or anything technological, they're not really replenishing. They're just merely distractions from God's more meaningful gifts. And so like, like spending time enjoying God's presence, reading scripture, relaxing with your family, just some thoughts there. Third principle is consistency is key. And so there's just one author, her name is Ruth Haley Barton, and she says that part of the restfulness of Sabbath is knowing that it's always coming at the same interval, so that we're not making decisions about it every week. And when Sabbath is not observed on the same day every week, it means that we go longer than seven days without a Sabbath, and that's not optimal. And she continues, after seven days without rest, we are at risk of becoming dangerously tired. And so whichever day you decide to Sabbath, whether that be Sunday or Monday or Friday, whatever day of the week it is, make that your day and keep it consistent. So the last principle here, um, having a balance between it being communal and then individual. And then again, Ruth Haley Barton suggests that Sabbath-keeping is not primarily a a private or self-indulgent discipline. Rather, it's a communal discipline, or at least a discipline that people enter into with those closest to them. And she notes that families should Sabbath together because children can experience Sabbath time with the guidance of their parents. And they will experience the special gifts of Sabbath, like spending quality time with one another, or enjoying the, the love that's shared and um, like gratitude with God and opportunity to rest and to do all the things that are counter to life in our hectic and control-addicted world. So we live in tumultuous times, right? So we're in the middle of a global pandemic, like political division and debates and economic uncertainties and like anxiety and depression and broken families like etc a lot of crazy things happening and so we're grasping we're all grasping for control in one way or another and so god is actually inviting us to relinquish control and to trust him and to receive the gift of sabbath resting and delighting in god and rather than being burnt out overworked and control freaks we become people who keep in step with the rhythm and the rest. People who are replenished and rejuvenated and find a consistent rest in God. So I'm going to close with um, the words from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. And he writes, if you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights. Can we all stand? I think what what, uh, Bethany shared this morning during communion was very timely. I had no idea she was going to talk about that. But I think a lot of us in here, some of us in, in this room may, may just feel tired. Maybe you're overworked, or maybe you need to have this sense of control, this sense of stability, or maybe you don't feel that anymore. Well, I think that God is inviting us to, to rest in him this morning. God is inviting us to relinquish control and to trust him with our lives, with our finances, with our relationships, with our futures, with our education, with our children and our families, right? And so if that's you this morning, I just want to pray, spend a couple moments um, just listening to the Holy Spirit. So Father, we just thank you for your grace. Thank you for the gift of Sabbath. Thank you that you are, you are with us every step of the way. And what a gift it is to, to stop and delight. Help us to recognize the gift of stopping and, and delighting, of enjoying your presence. You have so many, so many gifts and so many blessings, but we're just too busy or we're too, we're too stuck in our own ways to really reach out and to receive them. And whatever we're holding Whatever we feel like we need to have, any sense of control or, God, we just, we just place it before you. We just place it before you and we just leave it in your hands. And so whatever that is, just leave it before him. God, we just ask for your, your forgiveness and your grace for making those things idols in our lives, making money or relationships or a job or opportunities or people our primary hope and our sense of control or stability rather than you, Jesus. like what we sang this morning, that you are our living hope. You are our living hope. You're the author of salvation. And so we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for your presence here this morning. We thank you for what you're doing in our community. And we thank you for this time, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty, everybody, well, have a great Sunday afternoon. Eat some good food, hang out with some friends and family, and go in peace. Thank you.